Now, I don't, I don't know about you. Maybe you've never read the story we just read before. Um, but I love taking time each year around the Christmas season to look at this story uh, because I think there's so many details in this story that just happened that just like I, I don't expect and we wouldn't expect. And each of these things helps me to understand. I think it can help all of us understand a little bit more about who God is. Like just the fact of where Jesus was born, right? The king of the universe born not into royalty, not even into a wealthy family, but, but into this feeding trough, okay? Like, and maybe you grew up in, in a home and you had Christian parents. And so, you know, maybe at, at Christmas time, you had your, your Christmas tree and then you had this little cute nativity scene and it looked all sweet. But like, have any of y'all ever been in a stable before or a farm? Yeah, you, you ride horses. Yeah, it, it smells like crap because there's animal crap everywhere. Like, it's disgusting. Like, Lindsay and I, we're, we're pregnant. We're about to have our first child, Lord willing, in a few months. And I just like, we read the scene like it's like no big deal, but you know, he's, Jesus was laid in this disgusting feeding trough that none of us would want to even touch or drink, like drink out of or And yet that's where the son of God was laid. And we learn things about Jesus. Like he's not this cruel tyrant who came to condemn us, but he's a humble servant king. All right, or, or, or you look at, you know, that, that first section that we wrote about the virgin birth and like what is totally impossible for man is, is possible for our God and it shows his power. And we see that there, or, I mean, there's just like, there's so many different details in this, but I think for our time, the one I want us to, to focus on is, is this scene with the shepherds, okay? The shepherds out in this field and the angels come and have this encounter with them because I think there's some things that are really significant that I wanna make sure that we don't miss. And so you, you think about this, like the son of God, this long awaited Messiah who's been promised in the beginning of the Bible, as soon as the first two humans, Adam and Eve sinned against God and like the world's corrupted. And yet God promised that one day this savior would come, this Messiah, he's, he, and people have been waiting for him for thousands and thousands of years. And now he's born, right? The king of the universe and, the, and God sends these angels to go tell who first? this rando group of shepherds in this field, okay? And I didn't really see the significance of this at first. And maybe you don't understand the significance of this because you're like, why is that such a big deal? But shepherds back then in Jesus's day were like really low when it came to social status. Like when people would view shepherds back then, they were, they were viewed as unclean and they had this reputation that they're, they're untrustworthy Okay, I think what they would have thought and what, what we would probably think is that, okay, yeah, the Messiah is here, the Son of God. The first people that God's gonna bring this good news to is, is the high priest of Israel or like, you know, the Pharisees, the, re the religious elite or the people that we would, you know, view as, as like high on social status or really good moral people. But that's not what God did. I was talking with Lindsay earlier as we were on a walk. I'm like, modern day, like, what would that be? It's like, say Jesus had come today, that didn't happen. If anybody ever says Jesus came today, right, they're a false teacher and they're lying. But if it did, okay, it, like a modern equivalent with that is like God sending these angels to some like dirtbag biker gang that's a bunch of thugs in the middle of the desert somewhere to like get this good news, okay? And, and yet that's what God chose to do. And I think there's something really significant about that, that God wants us to see right out of the gate that Jesus did not come for those who have it all together. 
He came for those who are lowly and those who need a savior. And some of you right now probably think that Jesus is for the really religious person or Jesus is for the person who has it all together or Jesus, you know, that there's like, there's things that I've done, Tim, you don't understand that God could never accept me or love me because of what I've done, I'm too far gone. There's things, Tim, that I can't even forgive myself for, so how much more can the God of the universe who's just, how can he forgive me? But look at what the angel tells the shepherds in verse 10. It should be on the screen, it said, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What they say? I bring you good news that will be for, for what? The, the, the really religious people who have it together? The really good people? For all the people. As nobody is good. None of us have it together. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Because this is, this is what Christmas is all about. This is what Christianity is all about. This is what the Bible is all about. Or do, we, do you understand like God is a holy and perfect and just God. And every single one of us is not that. We are imperfect. We do things to hurt ourselves and we do things to hurt one another. We are sinful and way more than we realize. And because God is holy and just, he can't just overlook that as if it's not a big deal. He has to punish those who sin. He is a good judge. We would not call a good judge a good judge if they didn't execute justice. The sin against an eternal holy God brings on eternal consequences, which is really bad news for us because we've all done it ever since Adam and Eve fell. Like it's tainted humanity. You see it with kids. Nobody teaches a little two-year-old how to sin, right? Parent says, hey, don't touch that electric socket over there. And they're like, they go straight for it and they touch it. It's just like we, we are bent. We, we've, we've, we've all done things that we don't want to even tell anybody. And yet our sin's not first and foremost against one another. It's against a holy, perfect God which is really bad news, but there's good news. This is why we celebrate Christmas and why Christians have for thousands of years. It's because God in his mercy and in his love sent Jesus, the eternal son of God to become a man. Remember what we need to be acceptable to God and to have peace with God is perfection. Nobody has it. Religions all over the world tell their people to try to be a good enough person, try to do enough good. And if you do enough, then maybe then maybe God will accept you. Maybe you'll have a good afterlife, but that is not the message of the Bible. That's not what Jesus said. You cannot do anything. And yet God in his love sent Jesus to do everything. And Jesus was perfect, sinless. And he lived a righteous, holy life, which is what we need. We need righteousness and perfection to be acceptable to God. Well, Jesus earned that with his perfect life. But we still had our sin problem over here that needed to be dealt with. And that's why we celebrate Easter. The only perfect person to ever walk this world. You know what humanity did to him? 
to kill them. We nailed them to a tree. That's what we did to the God man. And yet what man meant for evil, Saul company, God meant for good. This was God's plan from the beginning of time to reconcile somehow. Well, the scriptures tell us that all of our sins, the world's sins, all people, for all, all people, Jesus came. All of our sins were laid on Jesus. All of our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins, the sins that we've committed that we don't even realize, all of those were laid on Christ. And he took the punishment for them. He bore God's eternal wrath that we deserve. And he died the death that we deserve. And yet three days later, right, he rose victoriously out of the grave. People saw him. We've eaten with him, we touched with him, and it changed the world. And things have not been the same since. And that's why we continue to celebrate Christmas now because Jesus is the hope of the world. Because listen, all of those who look to Jesus and acknowledge that they're broken, they can't do anything to earn right standing with God. And they just put that aside and they trust in him and his finished work, his perfect work, and that his work is enough. God promises they're no longer enemies with God, but they become a son or daughter of God. They no longer deserve God's wrath, but they're citizens of heaven. They have peace with God. We have a relationship with God. The spirit comes to dwell within us immediately. We're now part of a church family. We have brothers and sisters like these. All these truths are because of what Christ has done. And those can be yours. So here's my question. Have you seen your need for Jesus and have you trusted in him? Really think about that. Have you recognized that you're broken, that you're wicked, and that you need the sinless substitute, Jesus Christ. Look at what God's word says in John 1, 12. It says, but to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. As that promise is for us now, for all who receive Jesus, believing in his name. It has always been by grace through faith, guys. There's, not, there's no prayer you can pray. You're not saved because you pray some prayer. You're saved because of what Christ has done. And you receive this gift through faith. So what are you trusting in? What will you, what will you trust in? Now, I, I just wanna end by pointing out two responses that the shepherds have in the story, and I think they should be ours. Like if you trust in, if you just trust in Jesus now for this good news, like, like this should be, if that happened, then you're a Christian now, praise God. But if you are a Christian and Jesus is your King, he is your Lord and Savior, you have trusted in him. Like look at the response that they had in verse 17. It says, and when they saw it, that's Jesus, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. It's all company, when they saw it, when they encountered Jesus, they made it known. That should be our response, that when we encounter the grace of God, we recognize where we were, that we were dead in our sins, that we were helpless. And yet God made us alive. He showed us this mercy. He bought us at the great price of his son's blood. Now it's, man, go and tell, share with the world, share with the students around you, share with your families. Like we ought to do the same. We have to make Christ known. And what a privilege that he wants to use us to make him known. He doesn't need you, he doesn't need me. Yet, 
He delights in using us. What an honor. The other response is in verse 20. It says, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Did you catch it? See the other response that we should have when we receive Christ as our Savior and our Lord. We recognize what he's done. This mighty work of accomplishing our salvation is praising him, glorifying him. In all areas of our life, like that, like that is the prayer that I have for us in this room. That's the prayer I have for my family. That would be marked by people who praise this God because he deserves all praise and glory. So how about you stand with me? I will pray for us and then we'll worship our King. God, it, it absolutely makes no sense that you would love broken, sinful people like us. None of us deserve your grace. None of us deserve your mercy or we deserve the opposite from you. Lord, I pray that this sweet gospel message would sink deep into our souls, that it would be the most precious thing to us. What Christ has done on our behalf, the reason that we have life, Lord, that we would not focus on the things that don't matter. Like compared to eternity, like none of this these things matter. We get bogged down and anxious and start to worry about things that are insignificant. So will we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and the plan that you have for us and that you are coming back one day. We anticipate your coming. When you make all things new, there'll be no more pain or suffering. All because of the work that you've done, Christ. So we worship you alone. We praise you alone. Would you reign in this room and in our hearts? Amen.